Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So what's the latest with the Bucks and free agency? We are just hours away from the negotiating period at noon today. Will the Bucks be able to re-sign Shaq Barrett? And what are the numbers behind Tom Brady's new contract? What do they really mean? Drew Brees calls it a career. Is Jameis Winston the next Saints quarterback? And the Lightning raised their Stanley Cup banner. They beat the Predators as Braden Point shines again. And it's March Madness, baby. It's also with a capital E. We've got all that and more to talk about on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Versnick. And uh, I mentioned we'll just do this quickly because I don't have a lot to say about March Madness. We'll get into that, I guess, as the tournament gets along. But... Uh, I guess they're going to play this thing. It's going to be different, right? It's going to be all in Indianapolis this year. Well, they're going to try to. So um, you're not you don't have playing games Tuesday or Wednesday this week. Okay, uh, all that stuff happens Thursday, and then the first round is Friday, Saturday. Um, one, they're all in one location, but two, in order for teams to play, they have to have seven straight days, consecutive days of no positive tests, including every member of their 34 person traveling party. But you can leave some people behind and go with less than 34. Players, staff, all that stuff. So, for instance, Kansas, I think they announced there are three players who tested positive and they had to withdraw from the Big 12 tournament are staying behind in Lawrence. They're not going to travel to Indianapolis, at least initially, um, until they get seven days of tests where they, I think they can rejoin the team at that point. Um, you know, we, we did see, what, Virginia, Kansas, and I think there was one other team that had to withdraw from their conference tournaments uh, for positive COVID. Duke withdrew um, for positive COVID tests. Um, you know, so they're hoping that they can get everyone to Indianapolis with those seven straight days. And, and they're going to have, they're going to be wearing kind of the tags you wore at the NFL when you were at the bucks, um, kind of contact, yeah, yeah, contact, contact tracing tag. So it'll know who you've been in close contact with throughout. Um, they're going to have things like that for the players and staffs and all that. And they're hoping they can, um, get a tournament in. So, but if, if teams, you know, end up with positive tests while there, then they'll have to withdraw from the tournament, and teams will advance without playing a game. It'll be the, under the no contest rule. And they have they have teams ready to stand in if some team has to withdraw before it starts. I mean, once the before tournament it starts, starts yeah. then it's a no contest rule. So yeah, I think what Louisville's the first team, mm-hmm. I believe I saw that uh, if if someone has to withdraw in the next day or two or three, whatever it is, that they would be the team that comes in, and there's a list after that. So. It's really weird. I mean, you don't, you know, Duke is not in this tournament, right? You've got uh, Michigan State and uh, UCLA facing off in, in the play-in game. I mean, really? I mean, usually, usually it's somebody horrible, right? It's like two like uh, Ohio Valley schools or something. But uh, yeah, you usually don't State have blue bloods. I think I saw, and it's, you know, I, I lived in Cincinnati for a while. It's a big basketball area. Yeah, it is. No Cincinnati, no Xavier, no Dayton, no Kentucky, no that's Louisville, crazy. no it's Indiana. I mean, it's like all the local schools, and that's a huge basketball area. Like none of them are in the tournament. It's like it's crazy. It's weird. Yeah, it truly is. 
But they're going to play it. There's going to be March Madness. We didn't have that a year ago. We're, we're a year now into when the uh, sports world shut down. Um, it's that would, it's that, really hard to believe it's been a year. I know. It is and it isn't, okay? But you're right. It, it, I mean, I guess what I remember is just, you know, how everything so has dramatically changed. And, and my kids the other day on Friday, they came home from school. Uh, and it was it was actually Friday the twelfth of mm-hmm. March. The thirteenth was on a Saturday this year. But if you remember a year ago, it was yes, folks, Friday, Friday the thirteenth. Yep. And they um, we had a parents' night out where the kids went to uh, Cheval and they stayed overnight. And we took a bunch of uh, some couples out. My wife's birthday was on the eleventh, and that was the last time we went out anywhere as a group to a restaurant. And and my kids, I remember them saying, "Ooh, Friday the thirteenth, what unlucky could happen?" Well. And then you realize they never went back to school. Well, like, that, that started was, that started spring break because the next it week was started spring break. Spring break correct, and just the, like it is now. That afternoon, the schools announced that will be shut down for spring break, and then the week after. Yes, they said. But and, in and, two weeks, we expect to be back. And it turned out they never went back. And no. I realize now, you know, it being you know so early in March, I realized that wow, like if you didn't go back to school. You have a long way to go before school is over. Like, we did that. Like, we stayed at home. Mm-hmm. I remember the first, you know, 30, 60 days. Like, we barely left the house. Nobody really knew, you know, uh, how transmissible COVID was. I remember bringing groceries in and wiping them down and not letting the bags in the house. I mean, just, you know, uh, there was a run on meat in the stores and toilet paper and paper towels. And, you know, all of that we have been through. And we've learned, obviously, a lot about this virus. And now, thank God. Um, there are uh, vaccinations happening at a, at a very rapid uh, pace, and there are three vaccines now um, that are that are available on the market. So, um, but but yeah, man, just how how just a year ago? So it, it does and it doesn't. I mean, it was a long season, obviously, for the Bucks, and so we were doing zooms and doing all those things. But you know, the first when sports shut down like this time a year ago, there was nothing, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it was like there were no sports, and somehow. You know, the only thing that was percolating was what's percolating now, and we're about to talk about it. The NFL did not slow down on free agency. They uh, they couldn't bring players no. in for the, the contract signings, and, and they had to send doctors to them to um, get their physicals in order to sign their deals. But we had the same, you know, um, free agent frenzy, which will be on Wednesday, um, you know, at four o'clock when Adam Schefter said, according to my sources, I get 27 deals. I'm going to go right through them. It's going to take me an hour and a half and I am out of breath. And that's, you know, that's going to happen again at four o'clock on Wednesday. And, uh, you know, and then the, the signings and we, we did some soon as when the zoom started with press conferences and whatnot. Uh, and then we rolled right into the NFL draft per usual. They didn't have it in Las Vegas. It was virtual. They had to recalibrate all that, but we still had a draft. So the NFL, kept their regular schedule until they got to the off season. They couldn't have players work out. So he just went to Berkeley prep and saw Tom, you know, not Tom, saw you know, Tom Brady and his, and his, and his new teammates out there. But, but the rest of the sports world with the exception and that all you saw on the news in sports was the NFL. And of course it was the bucks who signed Tom Brady about the 17th of March. That anniversary is coming up. So they were the story, right? And then Gronk came and then, you know, we had all these free agents. So, um, it, it has been a very newsy year, and then of course, you know when they did come back, the, the NHL came back, and the Lightning won the Stanley Cup, all that. But we went a long time, you know, because March Madness did not happen, and it was shut down. And there were supposed to be games here locally, and 
and all of that. And, um, yeah, it was just – it was this time a year ago, man, there were no sports. Well, I was reminded no. because uh, some friends who went to the Lightning game Saturday, which was the first yeah. game they allowed fans in. That's right. For for those – it was it been over a year since they had been. In over Atlanta. a year. I mean, crazy. You know, the Raptors did have some fans in December – before the lightning season started, but mm-hmm. you know those the friends I had that were at the game, you know, were just commenting. It had been a year since they'd been in there, hadn't didn't go to those games, but you know, it's just it's bizarre. It's still just to think about it. It's just it's bizarre what this last year has done and been like, and what we've all gone through. And you know, I, I remember, you know, it was it was the it was Thursday the twelfth. That's when the sports shut down. Yes, Rudy yes. Gobert tested positive on on March eleventh. March 11th, the, the yeah. The results came out. The NBA that night suspended their season. And then MLB followed quickly after yeah. that. So, Well, if you remember, MLB did it during a raid. Rays were playing spring training, and they announced the season's going to be postponed at four, you know, put on pause at 4 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were at Amelie Arena for the Flyers were in town with mm-hmm. the Lightning. And, and, you know, it's that morning, and it's about time for morning skate. They're canceling morning skate. And, you know, because no one knew what was going on, but the, the Flyers, you know, their bags were already packed. They were leaving the arena. I mean, mm. their equipment guys had everything gone. So we knew that game was off. They didn't announce it for several hours. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and everyone's like, yeah, we'll be gone two weeks, then we'll be back. I mean, that was, I remember it clear as day. That was a prevailing thought. And, you know, luckily for me, I, I was like, you know what? This could take a little longer. Let me grab some equipment to make sure we're set. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, sure enough, we weren't back in two weeks. And, Everything was shut down and that. So, but it's 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 hard to believe it's been a year and and you know that fans have been away from Amelie Arena. We know there was fans in, in Raymond James Stadium this past mm-hmm. season, limited, of course. Right. Um. You know, it's going to be over a year for fans at the Trop when they get back in. Right. Um. You know, it's just it's just it's still crazy to think about. Yeah, I mean, they're they're obviously, I mean, you know, over half a million dead, and so many families went through uh, horrible things, and and are still going through it. But at least there's hope, and there's, um, you know, we are starting to see the fans come back. I was I was listening to uh, uh, some of the players after the Lightning uh, their game against Nashville, which they won, and and they were talking about how you know how how grateful they were, like how how great it had been a year, and and even though it were was what like thirty seven hundred thirty eight hundred people, mm-hmm. um, they were loud, they were on their feet most of the game or a lot 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 of the game, and they did raise the banner and Stamco said a few things, but the players after the game were like, it's different, you know, like thank goodness that they're back, like we needed that shot of adrenaline, you know, we needed. We needed to have the fans, you know, that's what we play for. I mean, we're, they're performers, you know, and mm-hmm. they would play hockey on a pond, you know, up north in, in the parking lot at Walmart, as we always say. Um, but, you know, it, 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 that's what professional sports is. You know, you get, you get that boost from the home ice, and they've been great on home ice regardless. But um, I thought it was terrific just actually they, they, they booed when there was a bad mm-hmm. call. Um, you could hear, I mean, I was listening over the radio and I don't know how much you would know more about how much fan noise they may or may not pipe in through the radio broadcast, but I actually heard people, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I could tell the difference. Well, I could tell you, they don't put the booze in the fake crowd sound. So okay. we did, I did use it a little bit, but it was a lot less than I had for the last two months. Good. As far as, you know, because there was natural crowd and, and you could, yeah. you know, hear that. You came and across stuff. the mic, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, you know, the arena wasn't as loud as it is with 19,000. Of course. Um, of course. You know, it is, you could still, you know, some of my buddies were saying you could still hear the players on the ice. You could hear them yelling at each other and talking to each other. 
Right. Um, even with, you know, but 3,800. But it was a lot better than, than empty arenas. I mean, a yeah. lot better. And I remember that being the, the prevailing feeling, too. Like when, the um, you know, we uh, we went to, to New Orleans for the opener, and it was just so surreal. Like so incredibly weird. And the same was true at MetLife Stadium. It feels like know, a scrimmage. It, it doesn't feel like a game. It felt feels like a complete scrimmage. And, and you know, watching it on TV, it's different because they were piping in crowd noise. And, and you you know, the, the soundtrack of football is still there. So, you, you know, the, the camera angles and things, you see the tarps. You don't really think that there are no fans. But I'm telling you, when you're, you know, it, it it was an adjustment for players, a real big adjustment for them uh, to learn how to play uh, without without the crowd noise, with the silence. They could hear everything. Of course, they could hear every signal on both sides of the ball. They could hear everything that was being said on the sidelines, and um, they had to learn how to bring their own energy. You know, football football, I think, as much as any sport, um, you know, feeds off the crowd, and and you can you can always try harder, right? You can. Um, you can't always do that in baseball, maybe, but like, uh, but in football, it, it, it certainly is is part of the game, and um, it was just so weird. And then even when they got, you know, fifteen thousand or so, fifteen six, whatever it was at Raymond James when they started, and that didn't happen the first week, but when they started having home games with that many fans, it was welcomed. It was like, oh my goodness, this is like it. it it's not quite a football game. It's not a sellout. Obviously, it's only twenty percent of the stadium. But at least there's people, you know what I mean? Like uh, it was just the aesthetically and just the, you know, just to, to have people in the seats um, was such a welcome thing. And um, we forget, you know, you, you, I mean, I'm sure we'll all remember when we can get back together again in these these large arenas. But um, I can't, you know, in my own mind, I can't wait to see Emily or Raymond James just packed the way it should be. And of all years, right, in all three sports, to think about what we what we lost with World Series games that would have been at the Trop, right, or the American League Championship Series, uh, or any of those playoff series, and then what we lost with the Stanley Cup Finals, and and even going before that, just the just the playoffs, right? I mean, so many great events that um, that we didn't get to witness, you know, in Tampa Bay. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. All right, so let's talk a little bit about free agency because today at noon um, begins what is called the uh, we call the legal tampering period. Although tampering goes on illegally all the time, as you know, it's actually the negotiating period. At noon, the free agents, and there are about two dozen of them still with the Bucks, they're able to talk to any team. In fact, they can reach gr- agreements, uh, you know, in principle um, on contracts with other teams. So. Let's say Shaquille Barrett is not signed by 12, 8, 12 p.m. today. He can take a call, or his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, can take a call from Jacksonville. They could offer him, I don't know, uh, $25 million a year guaranteed for five, six years, and he could be signed, sealed, and almost delivered, um, you know, w- however long it takes for him to agree to the terms. And then uh, they have until this this goes on until Wednesday at 4 p.m. And then Wednesday at 4 p.m., you can actually sign with other teams. It becomes binding. And, um, 
you know, I, I think that the, the nervousness that Bucks fans should have is just that, right? That they've created some cap space. They obviously franchised Chris Godwin. Um, they, you know, did a, a very team friendly deal with Levante David, which, um, you know, included three voidable years. It's a two year, really a two year, $50 million or a $25 million deal with a lot of money paid up front. So there's cap number uh, this season in 2021 is only three and a half million dollars, I think. Uh, and then Tom Brady, uh, added a year to his contract. So that will take him with the bucks through age 45 and essentially what he did was he was going to make $25 million in 2021. He's going to make another $25 million in 2022. So if you think of it as sort of the same deal he signed a year ago, two years, $50 million. But they're going to pay him upwards of $41 million he could earn this year. Uh, and then they added three voidable years, making it like a five-year contract. And you take that money and you amortize it over over those years and you lower that cap value because you're paying signing bonus and roster bonus. Now, it turns out that, you know, part of that signing bonus, part of that $41 million, about $15 million of it is supposed to be paid a year from now in 20, 2022. So if, if Tom Brady, for example, were to say, you know what, I've just won another Super Bowl, or maybe I didn't, but um, I think I'm done. I think two years with the Bucks, I proved my point. I'm the greatest of all time. I'm not going to come back at age 45. He could leave, and then the Bucks wouldn't have to pay him that that 15 million dollars, um, you know, that they're pushing into uh, into a roster bonus or a signing bonus this this year. So there's there's a way to get out of that contract. But regardless, what the Bucks are obviously doing is they are, and a lot of teams are doing this. They're using what's called voidable years, years that they know that it's that the club is not going to honor. It's a club option. They're not. They're going to void these years. They're in agreement with the players um, that they're going to add these years, and it's for accounting purposes only. So even if those guys aren't on the team, um, there's still some dead money. What we call dead money on the salary cap for those years, right? So you. You divide up the the signing bonus over five years, and each year, let's say it's five million each year. Um, and even though you know, let's say Brady were to leave, there there will be what's called dead money uh, on your salary cap. But the salary cap's going to go up so prohibitively after they sign these new TV deals, and they're able to get fans back in the stands that teams aren't really worried about that. They're 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 more than okay with with pushing some dead money in future years because they don't want to, you know, especially if you're a contending team like the Saints or the Bucks or some of those others, you know, you want to stay competitive and, tr- and try to win again. I know the Bucks do. Um, so this is something they normally don't do. They don't like to mortgage the future, but look who your quarterback is. How many more years are you going to have him? Can you keep this team together? They've got almost two dozen free agents, most of which they'd like to have back. But the big three, of course, you know, are, are Godwin, Levante, and now – they're going to wrestle with Shaq Barrett, and, I, and I'm just telling you, Steve. If I'm if I'm a free agent, um, and as much as I know that Shaq Barrett probably wants to stay here, um, loves this defense, thrived in this defense, likes his teammates, thinks he has a chance to win another ring. All things considered, he'd want to stay in Tampa Bay for the next four or five years, whatever. Having said that, I am hours away, hours away from quote unquote legally being able to say. Hey Jacksonville, you have sixty million dollars under the cap. How much are you willing to pay for me to go play for you? And if somebody blows me away, as much as I love the Bucks, I'm here to tell you, I'm on my, I'm packing my bags. I mean, if somebody comes up to Shaq Barrett and says, "Hey, we're going to guarantee you, you know, five years at twenty five million a year," 
uh, the Bucks aren't going to match. They're, they're, you know, and and not not to mention that you know if he does get out there, you can't expect him to come back to the Bucks and say, "Well, I got this from this team and shop shop the offer from other teams." That's really not good business, right? So there will be a real push, I think, this morning all the way up until noon to try to get Shaq Barrett signed, um, and that and and we we've, we've seen some of that happening. Over the last couple of days, for example, the Packers could have lost Aaron Jones, and they decided to re-sign, you know, their star running back and prevent him from trying to test free agency. I wouldn't be as worried if I'm the Bucks if Rob Gronkowski isn't signed by noon today. I wouldn't be worried even if Ryan Suckup or uh, Ndamukong Sue or you know Leonard Fournette, some of these other guys, you know, Antonio Brown that you want back, because I think that. Their situations are a little different. Yes, they could get uh, they could get wooed and, and attracted by other offers out there. They can talk to other teams, um, but in, you know, in the case of Gronkowski, does he want to play with somebody other than Tom Brady? Does he want to you know leave Tampa Bay after winning a Super Bowl? Uh, is there that much more money out there for him? Does Sue want to play another year? If so, is he going to chase the money or is he you know trying to add to his legacy and win another Super Bowl? I mean, all those are individual questions, but. I don't think they're as nervous about getting those other guys back as they are about Shaquille Barrett because it's just really hard um, to replace a guy who is who's meant that much to them as an edge rusher. Uh, and there are other guys out there that other teams are trying to sign back as well that, that the Bucks may wind up looking at in free agency if they lose Shaq Barrett. So it's a two-way street. Shaq Barrett goes out and talks to other teams. The Bucks will be talking to other free agents as well. And that's sometimes, you know, how you get movement, which is what this this whole system is about. But um, I would just say this. I still think Shaq Barrett wants to be a Buccaneer. I know the Buccaneers want to keep him here very badly. Um, They really didn't start talking until after they had franchised Godwin. And Drew Rosenhaus, you know, is a very capable agent. He's got a lot of clients. He had Aaron Jones who signed on Sunday. So, you know, you don't know the order of things, but – um, I know that uh, the Bucks weren't surprised that, you know, on Sunday that they didn't get any deals done. And I do think also they're going to renegotiate some deals because they've got to create more cap space. They're about $14 million under the salary cap. That's more than enough to get Barrett uh, his first year cap number because, again, you're going to spread it out over the number of years in terms of guarantees. Um, but I know they got other guys they want to sign, so you're going to see some deals being reworked. But that's where we're, are, where, where we're at. Um, with all of this and, um, you know, it's what Tom Brady's contract means and um, sort of what's going on. So uh, Drew Brees, Steve, uh, we're not surprised he retired, right? I mean, everybody knew that was coming. He's retiring? Yeah. You believe it? Well, 15 years. We thought to the it was day coming last year, so. Yeah, I know. But but 15 years to the day that he signed with the Saints. Mm-hmm. He uh, called it quit. It was cute, too. He was on Instagram. He had his four children who sort of announced it that their daddy was going to um, leave football so he can spend more time with us. And they were like, yay. Um, he's obviously he's going to NBC. We've known that for a year. We're all kind of surprised he came back last year. But, um, yeah, it was really well done. I mean, you know, I, I, he's obviously in five years will be standing on the, on the steps of Canton uh, going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He, look, he, he's a guy who's synonymous with New Orleans. I mean, you think about that franchise and where it was. Um, which was very Buck-like, if not if not worse in some respects. And he came in there with Sean Payton, and then Katrina hit, and he has meant so much to the to the rebirth of that city 
and of that franchise. Um, you know, they had, I don't know how many straight winning seasons. And of course they won the Super Bowl. probably should have won a couple more. Uh, that's probably the only lament that he has, but he'll go down as one of the, you know, the all time leading passers in the game. I think Brady will, will pass most or all of his records before he's done, but um, a remarkable career. And it, and it turns out that his last game was against the Bucks in that, in that divisional playoff. And we kind of knew watching him with Brady and his kids after the game that this was it. Yeah, what a remark. Is there a player in NFL history more synonymous with a franchise than that? And it's a great question. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know you that know, there is. You could is. say Brady and the Patriots, although now he's kind of carving out a new niche in Tampa Bay too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Joe Montana, you think of the 49ers immediately. Uh, you know, he did play in Kansas City, but still. Right. You know, I was just trying to think of, you know, and maybe it's just in sports too. I mean, you know, Michael Jordan and the Bulls, you know, you think Jordan, that's what you think. I mean, I know he played with Washington late in his career, but. But in terms of what he meant, like mm-hmm. your point is. But yeah, he is, also meant more than just beyond on the, the franchise. Mm-hmm. Right. Like what he meant to the revitalization or um, how synonymous he was with the city of New Orleans. I, I would say that that there probably isn't an NFL player that has that has meant more um, for what they went through, and he's going to continue to remain there. Um, you know, if there, I'll, I'll give you one. And this is not, you know, it, it just the city changed, and I've talked to other people about this. Peyton Manning going to Indianapolis changed Indianapolis forever. Yeah. I mean, changed the whole city. Like, you know, the Colts at that time who had been moved from Baltimore, they were behind the NE 500, uh, the Pacers, Indiana basketball, mm-hmm. um, you know, a bunch of things you could name. And the NFL, the Colts franchise, just wasn't very high on the list in, in the, the center part of Indiana. And he came in there and – Absolutely, you know, after leading the league in interceptions as a rookie, but he came in there and absolutely turned that that thing around. Not only that, but uh, he revitalized that entire downtown. Colts games became such a thing. People came from all over the Midwest to see them. Uh, The RCA Dome then became, um, you know, Lucas Oil Stadium, which is one of the best stadiums in, in, in the NFL. They hosted a Super Bowl there. It's the house that Peyton built. So there's one, I think, that if you mm-hmm. said, well, before Peyton and after Peyton, how did the city change? I would think that's probably the only one that you would maybe put in that category. Yeah, I can't off the top of my head think of anybody else. I mean, you know, you know, you've got – there's a lot of great quarterbacks in Green Bay, but you've got a lot of them. I mean, from Bart Starr yeah, to Brett right. Favre to Aaron Rodgers to – And Lombardi meant a lot to Green Bay, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, oh, absolutely. You know, the way I guess Sean Payton A little means, before but, my time, but yeah. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, mine too. <laughs> but yeah, believe it or not, um, yeah, I've I've been down Lombardi Avenue. I've not watched a game he coached, but uh, but yeah, I think I think the Packers were already ingrained, and in, you know, like you said, Bart Starr and Favre, and now I mean, there's been so many different stars there. Um, but in terms of just yeah, what I'm trying to think, like the Bears in Chicago. I mean, I guess Walter Payton to some extent, but the Bears are an old time franchise yeah. that were With great. Staubach and the Cowboys, maybe, maybe. I mean, you know, but Landry was a big part of that. Yeah, yeah, and the Cowboys. You know, they were good, and they were then mm-hmm. they were good again with Aikman and Emmitt. Oh yeah, and but I mean, and, but you know, he, I mean, that kind of made him America's team. It back put him then. on the map. Yeah, yeah, because he was Captain or what they America. Like to claim I mean, as America's team. 
And I think he was part of that. Yeah, right. I think he was part of that because, you know, here was this mm-hmm. guy from the Naval Academy that served and he came in late, you know, and his. I mean, he didn't start playing, I think, in the NFL until he was 27, 28 years old. Um, you know, he 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 did he did his four or six years or whatever out of the, outside mm-hmm. of the Naval Academy. Yep. So, um, but yeah, so there's there's been a few, but I mean, Drew Brees, what a what a career! And now, how does that change the Saints? I mean, a lot of people were. I, I was on, you know, Buccaneer Twitter is a weird place sometimes, but there were a lot of people that were sort of, you know, well, that's that's probably it for the Saints, and and I'm thinking. Uh, no, no, actually, if you go back and my son asked me this, he goes, well, they're not going to be very good. And I said, wait a minute. No, you got a good team. It, as I recall, they won. They, they kept winning despite whenever Drew Brees had been out, which was a lot the last mm-hmm. two years. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater went five and oh, two years ago. Last year, I think Taysom Hill was three and one mm-hmm. as a backup. So Sean Payton was winning football games without Drew Brees. And I would argue that he'd had a better chance in that divisional playoff if Drew Brees hadn't played, to be honest with you. I know Hill was hurt, but, I mean, the only touchdown pass they got was from Jameis Winston on a flea flicker. Yep. Because Drew couldn't throw the ball down the field. So, But here's what I know about Taysom Hill, and I'm going into my bosses tomorrow, and I want a four-year, $140 million <laughs> yeah, contract that with voidable years with a signing <laughs> bonus do. of what my salary is. I just want yeah, to I just do. want to sign the contract. I, they don't have to pay me out. I just want to I just want to say I signed a 4-year, 140 million dollar contract. I'm not going to see a penny of. I'll take a 4-year contract <laughs> right now and and you can if you'll just pay me my current salary. I don't need a raise. Um listen, I that was a weird one to me and I I'm still trying to figure out. We all know that all of this is accounting and people keep asking me like, "Hey, explain to me these voidable years." No. I don't want to. <laughs> I mean, I should. We've had these terms. Uh, Joey Knight did a story in the Tampa Bay Times. You can look it up on TampaBay.com with some of the terms you're going to hear through free agency. In essence, all you're doing, it's like a credit card, folks, okay? You, you can pay the interest, and then at which point, you know, if, if, you, if you charge something for $1,200 and you make interest payments each month, guess what? You owe $1,200. <laughs> so all you're doing is pushing the, the principal and you're paying the interest, and every year that $1,200 is still sitting there, right? So this is sort of what they're doing is they're, they're pushing the money back. Well, and the Saints to, are doing this years. because they have a lot of dead money they've got to pay on Breeze now, correct? Yes. So yes, that's why they they've do. got to push some Absolutely. of Taysom's money yes. later because yes. they've, got, they've, they've got too much dead money this year, so they've got, well, they had to figure out ways to make it work. They started, I think, this whole offseason like $45, 50000000 million over the salary cap. So just to get even, they've had to rework a whole bunch of deals. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that, you know, I mean, again, it's accounting. You can do whatever you want to. But, I I mean, I don't think Jameis Winston, if he decides to go back to the Saints, and I think he will, um, I don't think he's going to get a big contract. I think it's going to be similar to sort of what Cam Newton signed. I could be wrong. I'd ask for but, a four-year, $180 million contract with <laughs> four right. avoidable years and whatever the signing bonus is. That's what you pay me. <laughs> I want one, $1 more than than uh, Taysom Hill, I can tell you that. But, yeah, I mean, I think that's what you do. But but I think it's going to be very incentive-laden. If he starts, he'll make plenty of money. If he doesn't, he's going to be guaranteed about $3.5 million, dollars. I don't know what. Um, and they'll try to keep his cap number as low as possible. But – the, the 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 folks on NFL Network and some of the others that have uh, uh, some of my friends like Steve Weitz and Jim Trotter have talked with Sean Payton really think that Jameis is the guy that uh, Payton believes can be their quarterback. Um, but if he doesn't work out, 
they'll have Hill. And I think he promised Hill last year that if that if Drew got hurt, he would play him first, that he could be the backup. Um, and in fact, Drew did get hurt in a game. They brought in Jameis, but then the next game, Taysom Hill started and started the rest of the games that Breeze was out. So, you know, now it will be more of a competition because Hill has only one year left on his deal. If I'm if I'm Jameis, I'm asking for more than one year um, for starters. But um, he might get the chance. And don't be surprised, having spent a year in that offense with Sean Payton calling plays, if Jameis Winston isn't a very, very good quarterback because we know he's got plenty of ability and he has learned his craft and, you know, went to the Harvard quarterback school, as he called it, and, um, you know, studied under – Drew Brees for a year, and and maybe he learned how not to lose football games because that's what the what the what the Saints have done better than anybody in this division is win. They find ways to win, and they have a good team and a good team around whoever the quarterback will be, and they'll still have Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas and all those guys. Their defense is very good, so don't just write them off because Drew Brees is going to be calling the games instead of quarterbacking them because they're going to be very very good. All right, so. Um, I'm watching the Tampa Bay Lightning, which you were at the game, and it was really cool. I thought, you know, them them raising the banner. I was glad there were fans um, back into the seats. Where, was it was it an appreciable difference? I mean, you've been there in the empty arenas. I mean, what was it? There wasn't a ton of people. It was like 3,800 or so. But was it? Could you could you notice? Or? Oh, you absolutely could notice. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and particularly you know as they came out on the ice and and those mm-hmm. kind of roars that you know. The, the the league and the teams all put the fake noise and the synthetic noise and the sure the broadcasting in the arena and stuff but that the roar when they take the ice the yeah yeah, yeah. you know the the booze or that you just you they don't match those those fake sounds don't match that kind of stuff it just it's right. not designed for that um, right you know the average run of play it's really good at um, you know but it, it, and granted you know it's not like this technology's been around for a long time the way they do this this is all new stuff you've never had yeah, to do yeah. this in the past so sure um but yeah when when they take the ice uh, the banner raising you know it's just all that stuff it was it was noticeably and even the play on the ice too um you know just just how quick and loud it gets after a goal and you know that that kind of stuff it, it just it's so much better with fans even the limited fans and hopefully soon we'll be back to more but you know the twenty percent in the arena, a big time difference. It was a it was a really entertaining game. The Lightning got up uh, fairly quickly on Nashville. I thought they were just dominant early on, and then and I credit the Predators for coming back. Man, they uh, they made a run at it in the in the third period, and and uh, the Lightning were able to hold them off. Um, but it was an entertaining game, and you could it just first of all they had a day off. They had that long road trip, right? Where I don't know how many days they were gone, but it was a long time. ten days, six games. So it was the longest road trip of the year, barring rescheduling in the future that could make a longer one. But and the thing the thing about those road trips, and you know this, Steve, is that it's much longer for them now because there's nowhere for them to go. Like. When they, even if they have a day in between and they're on the road, they can't leave the hotel. Really, they can go they're, on walks like outside, but they can't yeah. go to restaurants. They can't, yeah, do some of the stuff they would normally do. I mean, you know, they have some team areas and parts mm-hmm. of the hotel that are you know just for them and that. But yeah, you're pretty much stuck to your room and a couple areas of the hotel outside of you know taking a you know a walk around town a little bit because you're outside enough in that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not their usual, you know, hey, let's all go out to dinner tonight. Let's go, you know, 
even grab a beer or a drink or you know none of that stuff and you're not even supposed yeah. to congregate with each other that much i mean outside exactly. the team meeting rooms and in that which are very socially distant and and stuff so mm-hmm. yeah i got i mean much like the bubble i mean it's it's not that different than the bubble although there was True. maybe a little more areas they could go because they had a hotel all to themselves in that in That's that right. environment but you know it, it's kind of the same although you know mentally in the bubble you're going this is for the championship and right now you're on the road going this is regular season you know mm. and not diminishing it but for a team like the lightning who's expected to make the playoffs and is in a very good spot at this point to make the playoffs based on you know the division and, and where they're at you know that that motivation and they took nine of 12 points on the road trip yeah they lost the last game but except they outplayed detroit tremendously in that game uh just didn't get the breaks um you know the way they played on that road trip for for pretty much i mean they took nine of 12 points you'll take that any road trip any day any time in the nhl let alone you know in this crazy covid protocol world yeah i mean they're off to a terrific start and and it seems as if they're getting better as the year goes on you know i listen i watch them my my, i told you my daughters are the biggest lightning fans in my house and maybe on the street but um we don't miss many games and so uh when I watch them, Steve, it, it first of all, there's a lot of guys that are having good years. I think. I think Tyler Johnson moving to center has been uh, just come alive. You know, mm-hmm. um, we've talked about uh, Sorelli and we've talked about you know Cernak and all these guys. The guy who is a, in my mind, an absolute superstar in the NHL, and I, I suppose that the people in the league know this. I, I don't know that because he's on a team with Stamkos and and Kucherov and uh, you know, uh, you know, just so many great players, uh, Vasilevsky. But Braden Point to me is like the best player to watch on the ice. I, 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 I mean, because first of all, he plays a two hundred foot game, but there's he brings so much speed and so much uh, uh, shot making ability that it's. I I don't know. Is he a big enough star in the NHL? Do people? Do people outside of Tampa Bay recognize him as this guy that is like absolutely like just blowing up right now, or does he not get the credit he still deserves? Do the fans know outside of Tampa Bay? Maybe not as much because yeah. you're dominated by stars like Hedman and Vasilevsky and Stan. Yeah, there's so many. Yeah. Does the league know? Absolutely. You talk to coaches around the league, and you'll hear some of them say it. Braden points the engine that drives the the light. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. He he drags his. You know, one of the things that really made the Kucherov Stamkos uh, point line go is that point drug drug Stamkos and Kucherov into the fight and into the offense and those yeah, games did. where you know you would see it look like Kuch wasn't interested or was struggling. I mean, point drags you into it and, mm-hmm. and Pilot, with Pilot on that line. I mean. Point is an absolute hockey superstar. Now, whether he's known that way among the fans in that outside Tampa Bay knows, of course, but he, but the other coaches, that's the first. That's almost the first guy on the ice you're trying to game plan for. Maybe, right. maybe Victor Hedman as well, and, and obviously the goalie. But but when you're sitting there going, we got to you know if we can contain Braden Point. I mean, you see how much and, and Cooper's talked about this even in the last week. How much Point has this, the the puck on his stick? how much he drives the offense, how he's carrying it into the zone and, and making the good plays. And, and that shot he made on, on oh Saturday night, I mean, he didn't even look at the net. That was a, it was, it was a, I'm telling you, the goaltender was, was over there, 
but never no. suspected that he could wheel and 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 fire a, a, a wrister like a slap shot like that. He had no chance. It was by him before he realized yeah. he had it on his stick. Well, point was going sideways and not yeah. even looking. I mean, Pecorino had no reason to think he would shoot it there. No, he was not in shooting position. No, and that's the third or fourth time this year he's done a shot like that against the grain, going from oh left God. to right and shooting it. You know, in the far post. It was amazing. Yeah, and. Was- and you know he's, but other teams know. I mean that he is the engine behind this team. He, right. you know, as much as you know, Kucha's and creativity and Stamkos and, and Anthony Sorelli's a great two way center and yeah, Tyler the Johnson Yanni Gord's is, Yanni a, Gord. is an energy guy. Yeah, and you but, know. but Braden Point is the just motor on this team. He is an absolute beast. Um, makes all the teammates around him better, as well as you know. And he's you know, look, he had a hell of a playoff run last year in the playoffs. I was going to say, you know, how many big goals did Braden Point have? Yeah, I mean, the Conn Smythe Trophy, was, it was a serious debate. It was Hedman, Kucherov, or Point. You could have given it to any one of the three. Absolutely. And all three of them deserved it. Um, yeah, I mean, how many game-winning goals did Braden Point have and, and, and assist in that? I mean, no, he's Braden Point's an absolute superstar. Maybe not to the, you know, where the league's marketing him as one and, you know, you're seeing him on commercials and stuff, like you see Stamkos or Cooch or Hedman. Right, um, but you know the other teams know that that that's the guy that that makes things go. He's the one who stirs the drink. I'm telling you, on any other team um, that didn't have as many stars as this one does, I, I and I, again I don't watch every NHL highlight show, but it just seems to me that like you know he doesn't get he doesn't get the att- I know he does here, but he doesn't get the attention he deserves. Uh, I, I just think the guy's a superstar in this league. I mean, I, he he's fun to watch, and he's the one guy that. Uh, can take it from one end to the other and you know on the power play you name it he's just entertaining that was an amazing amazing goal um that he had the other thing that was interesting about over the weekend was uh and it was treated as i don't know maybe got more attention than it deserved perhaps but nikita kucherov he was technically on the ice Mm -hmm. we saw him on skates and so i think people kind of leaped to conclusions and said aha he's going to come back way before the playoffs so Julian Brisebois on Friday gave his kind of State of the Union address. Mm-hmm. He does he's done this every year since he became the general manager at the, about the halfway point of the season. Mm-hmm. And after tomorrow night's game, Tuesday night in Dallas, that'll be the twenty eighth game of the season. So that's the halfway mark. So he mentioned that Nikita Kucherov's rehab was going on schedule and that he had started skating this week. Didn't get much attention, but then come to morning skate on Saturday and before before practice started, that's when a lot of the rehabbing players practice. That's typically what happens. So he was out there skating around, really more like gliding. But, you know, he was on skates and on the ice and, and even took like, you know, as practice was getting ready to start, took like a line rush with his team and took a shot and went in the net and his teammates, ooh, ah, you know. <laughs> and, and they love having Kucherov out there. Of course. Um, and, it, you know, he's a big part of this team. He's become a bigger leader on this team over the last year as well. Uh, I think in the bubble we saw him become, you know, a little more vocal, a little more taking on that leadership role and, and that, you know, trying to push the team and help. And, and so to have him there and it kind of raised all the player spirits. I'm sure it raised his spirits too. Um, you know, so obviously it gets reported he was, you know, on the skate for practice. Well, then you've got some media people and fans of other teams going, oh, see, Lightning were skating around the salary cap. He's not really going to be out the whole season. They're just yeah. That was how they kept the team together. Braden Point went through the same surgery for a hip what uh, before last season. And 
you come back but two or three months after the surgery, and then it's another two or three month process to get back to game shape. Yes, you're you get on the ice before then, mm-hmm. but he wasn't doing you know he wasn't testing that hip or anything. It's just literally you know taking a twirl around the ice. Essentially, is what he was doing. This is the same timeline lots of players in the NHL for this hip surgery have gone through. This just happens to be a shorter season, so you can miss the whole season by doing this. Had you had a normal six-month season, he probably isn't out the whole season. So there were some conspiracy theorists that Tampa Bay, you know, part of the reason of Nikita Kucherov on long-term injury relief means that they didn't save salary cap money, but you can go over the salary cap by his salary now, which allowed them to keep players like Tyler Johnson or Andre Pallad or, you know, Yanni Gord or take your pick of those guys making, you know, in that four to $5 million range a year that they would have probably had to get rid of one or two of them. Matter of fact, they had talked to Tyler Johnson about trading him. Alex mm-hmm. Kalorn would have been another one. So, you know, there's this conspiracy theories out now that the Lightning see they did skirt the rules. Well, if you were going to skirt the rules to do that, would you take out the best offensive player on your team? Is that who you would sit? <laughs> no. I mean, if you're going to sit a contract that was that high, wouldn't you sit Stamkos instead? I, well, yeah. You know, I if you're so. trying to if you're trying to, you know, cheat the system, um, you know, it's this is the same timeline that every player that goes through this hip surgery has. And and he seems to be on track. Julian Breesbaugh said he's so far on track to, to come back for the playoffs if if the Lightning are lucky enough to get that far, which, based on their current standings, they would be a, a colossal collapse if they didn't make the playoffs based on the rest of the teams in this division. You just have to finish in the top four in your division. So, right. um you know, it's 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 nothing, but it became something on Saturday in, in some of hockey Twitter, which maybe it's just that hockey Twitter. And, uh, yeah. you know, we saw lots of from Toronto and some New, New Jersey fans and others saying that. And so it's kind of laughable, really. Uh, they're jealous. They're jealous. The Lightning have the best team in the NHL again. And I don't think anything's going to slow them down until they get to the playoffs. And then, you know, if they get Kucherov back, it's almost unfair, isn't it? I mean, if he comes back and he can play the way he's capable of playing. Well, Julian Breesbaugh mentioned, and part of his call was, you know, he brought up the trade deadline and said, look, we are at the salary cap. I mean, they have, like, no dollars to spare in the salary cap. They're going to end right. the season, you know, within hundreds of dollars of it, most likely. Mm-hmm. You know, so any deal they make has to be money in, money out. You know, they can't they can't trade, like they did last year, draft picks and prospects to get Blake Coleman and Barclay Goodrow. They can't do a deal like that this year. If they bring in $2 million of salary, $2 million of salary is going to have to go out, or more have to go Mm -hmm. out, You know, which makes doing a deadline deal very tough. Because generally, you can sometimes get deals like that, but you know, at that point, if you're going to bring a player in, you're going to mess up the chemistry on this team. Right. Who's going out? You know, who are you trading out? I mean, you know, last year when they made those trades for Goodrow and Coleman, they traded draft picks and they traded a prospect who, you know, was still a couple years away from from making the team. Um, Good players and a a high price to pay, but you didn't mess up the chemistry on your team. You added to the team. You know, so the team that won won the championship, you're playing extremely well this year. Points percentage-wise, you're the best team in the NHL. There's a couple teams with more points than you right now, but they've played more games. So are you, do you want to mess up that chemistry as well? And that's something Julian Breezewell has got to decide. Um, you know, would they like some more help on the right side, right-handed defenseman? Probably. Um, would you like to get maybe another guy that can do face-offs really well and play the fourth line potentially? Maybe. But, you know, like I said, who's going out? You know, 
who you're going to trade out that's going to affect that somebody wants, first of all, and in mm-hmm. in returns to contract size and that. So if, it's, it's going to be a tough fit. But it, the, the the point of the story was nobody can add a player like Nikita Kucherov no. at the trade deadline this year. Nobody can. No. And that's something that the Lightning will – they won't get at the trade deadline, but come for the playoff time, assuming his rehab continues to progress the way it, it is right now. Now, when he comes back, how do they account for his salary? Do they have to release a player uh, in that instance? Well, or? no, the playoffs, there's no salary cap in the playoffs. Gotcha. Okay. So, I mean, they're paying his salary this year. It's just under long-term. Yeah, under the cap, so, but it yeah. doesn't affect It doesn't affect yeah. the cap in yeah, terms I mean, of what Yeah, he's on the roster. Play. He's just on long-term injury relief. Yeah. Um, when he comes back, and if he came back during the regular season, then you got to start paying his salary too. Right. Um, so – you know, but there is no salary cap for the playoffs. Now you can't just add players. Anybody they have to be on your roster at the trade deadline mm-hmm. to be to be eligible for the playoffs. Including you have there, there's a lot of paper transactions that happen at the trade deadline where you call up guys from Syracuse or your your AHL team. Yeah, just that day you call them up and send them right back. It's a paper transaction so that they're on your roster at whatever the trade deadline time is so that they're eligible to play for you in the playoffs. Right, right. And so, you know, you have those – there's paper transactions that go on for every team does that. For guys Mm -hmm. that aren't currently on the roster, haven't played with you this year, you may call a guy or two up and just to make sure that they can be on your playoff roster if you choose to use them. So Cooch is on the roster, so he's eligible there. But, yeah, there's no salary cap in the playoffs. But it's not like you can add a player at the start of the playoffs and sign them and bring them in. That doesn't work. Well, the Lightning have a afternoon businessman special, right? Yeah, uh, it's 4, 4 p.m. game? Yeah, 4 That's o'clock. Because awesome. uh, it's a back-to-back, and it's on the road tomorrow in Dallas. So mm-hmm. uh, that'll be a late game tomorrow night. But So 4 o'clock, and then they'll get out of town at a reasonable hour to get to Dallas tonight and then start the back. This starts five games in seven days for the Lightning, which goodness, that's goodness. a stretch you don't see in a normal regular season at all. And yeah. this is because of some rescheduling. So, And four of the games are home games. So you've got... Four o'clock this afternoon. You've got a night game at Dallas, eight thirty on Tuesday. Thursday, you're home at seven o'clock, and then over the weekend, you've got two four o'clock games Saturday and Sunday. So five games in seven days for the Lightning. Well, that's a lot. Um, you'll be doing most of them. I, I, I love day hockey, though. I don't think there's anything better than that. And of course, uh, starting at noon today is when teams can begin talking to players on other teams that are going to become free agents on Wednesday at four p.m. So you could have a Shaquille Barrett uh, maybe re-signing with the Bucks before noon or perhaps talking and reaching a deal with another team um, shortly thereafter. So it's going to be an eventful morning, I think, uh, an afternoon for the Bucks right up until we get to uh, Wednesday's free agent frenzy at 4 o'clock. And then uh, tomorrow, I think what we will do a uh, we'll do a mailbag because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of questions about free agency, and uh, you can ask us about the Bucks, the Bolts, the Rays. Uh, Wander Franco, by the way, was playing a little third yeah. base the other day. By the way, we're less than uh, three weeks from opening day. Gosh, it's about I, two and, and a half wish, weeks. So I can't wait for baseball. I really can't. I mean, I, that's another thing, right? We didn't get to. I mean, you didn't get to go to the games. Like you didn't get to see, you know, mm-hmm. uh, these guys play. And and you're welcoming back. If you're the Rays fans, you're, you're getting to go back and welcome back the American League champions. You know. Um, Another good ball club, and and I think they start. I think they start at Florida. In they Miami. start on the road. Yeah, their the home opener yeah. is not till April 9th against the Yankees. So right, but we're we're getting there, man. We're close, and they got man. They got a ton of pitching. Archer looked good on the mound the other day. Um, it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be a great race season. So lots you can talk to us about, and just send us your questions. We've already got some 
Uh, I get uh, a number of uh, mailbag questions all the time. It's a popular segment. We want you guys to participate. Do that. Oh, speaking of uh, the other part, too, and and not to interrupt you, but uh, USF Women won the the American Conference Tournament. Mm -hmm. Jose Fernandez. And the USF Men showed very well in the Conference Tournament, too. They almost knocked off... uh, uh, Wichita, the number one seed. So you know what I didn't get? That whole conference only got two teams in the NCAA tournament. I think it was Wichita and, and Houston. Houston. Yeah, and Houston's a fairly high seed. I mean, they're they're like a three or a four seed, I believe. Yeah, Houston's Houston's really good. Uh, they should have they they lost the conference based on a you know percentage of different amount of games compared to Wichita. Right. Um, right. So Wichita got the number one seed. But, you know, I mean, you look at what Memphis was the three or – they were the three seed in the tournament. Um, they were up and down this year. It got better defensively, but, you know, yeah. never fully had a great team. Cincinnati, I know, was the five seed. They struggled massively early. Um, mm-hmm. They had a shot to – you know, had they won the conference tournament on Sunday, they would have made the tournament, of course. Uh, mm-hmm. But they got blown out by Houston. Um the American had some good teams, but they didn't really have they didn't have upper echelon teams this year. Outside of you know Houston and Wichita Houston, were pretty Wichita. good, so um, yeah. they they probably didn't deserve more than two this year. Um, most years they they get more than that, but this year was just a down year for them. I mean, Cincinnati had a lot of players out for injury, and even some pulled out for COVID. I think Memphis had a player or two pull out for COVID, and you know right. so you lost some some players that way too. So that was and tonight. Tonight we'll find out where the USF women are going in the NCAA women's basketball tournament. So we'll see what well, they should have a fairly high seed, I would think, in that one. Yeah, I think they'll be. You know, I'm not an expert in this, but I'm guessing you know a three or four, maybe a five seed, somewhere in that, possibly yeah. a six. I think they're yeah. like top fifteen, top twenty. So you know, as far as those the rankings go, so we'll see where yeah. the, the committee won puts the American them. Athletic Conference. It's mm-hmm. just a great year for them. Won the tournament, so outstanding year for them so bring us all your questions you can do that by hitting us up on twitter at sports day tb you can reach me on twitter at nfl stroud or my email address is rstroud at tampa bay.com keep it on tampa bay.com for the latest uh, free agency news as well for steve versnick i am rick stroud of the tampa bay times have a great day everybody Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.